Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ warns the church of Laodicea to repent, to turn, to come back. In verse 14 of our Revelation chapter 3, Jesus Christ, as He speaks here, He says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write. Again, this angel is none other than the man of God. He says, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now this is one thing that I think ought to grab a hold of every Christian, every born-again saint of God needs to get this. He says, I know thy work. He's not just saying, I've seen thy work. He says, I know it. I can see right through the very things that you have done. A lot of times we may be sitting here in the house of God and it may be the Lord speaking to us and saying I know what you're here for boy I tell you what that, that alone ought to be enough to get a hold of us I know why you're here he even makes one statement that I even know where Satan's seat is friend I want you to know something do not think that just because you're in the house of God that there is no evil in this place because there is. The demons of hell do everything in their power to disrupt, to take away the very word of God from the ear of the hearer. But God says, I, I know thy works. That thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. Said this lukewarmness is just not getting it. You know what it's like to get a hold of a cup of coffee. You, I mean, some people like it ice cold. I've tried that. It don't do nothing for me. But snarl on my lips and my eyes. I like my coffee hot, I like it black, and I like it hot. When it gets in that stage of being in the middle somewhere, it just, it, it, I mean, you take a big gulp of it, and then about the only thing you can do is just spew it out of your mouth. So Jesus Christ is speaking to the church at Laodicea, and, and folks, we're in that Laodicean church age tonight. We're in that, we're in that time. And that's what these, these churches represent. These, uh, these churches of Asia are representing the churches of the time and that's where we're at tonight. We're in the Laodicean church age. And God says through the Lord Jesus Christ, So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Sad to say, and to be honest with you, there's a lot of Sovereign Grace Baptist churches tonight are just like this. They've got it, they've got it intellectually. 
Do they have it in their hearts? He says in verse 10, or excuse me, in verse uh, number 18, He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that thy same of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So many preachers today try to use this as a salvation message when it's not. He's talking to a church here. I'm sad to say, in a lot of churches today, he's on the outside. He's not on the inside. He says, I'm standing at the door and I knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him and will sup with him and he with me. You know what that says? Restored fellowship. This is where the prodigal son came to in Luke chapter 15, verse 17 and 18. When he came to his father, Bible says the, the Bible says that he came to himself. In other words, came to his own senses. His conscience began to wear on him. Just like every saved saint of God in the house tonight ought to have a conscience that wears on you when you're not where God wants you to be. You know what I'm saying, don't you? You that are saved by the grace of God have an understanding that when we sin, God's Spirit that lives within us pricks our hearts, convicts us of our shortcoming. But sad to say, so many today have had their conscience seared. Sin becomes easier and easier and easier. But to those who will listen for the knock at the door, the Savior is still here. That's one of the most important points you'll ever get out of this message. The Savior is still here. But when he's on the outside, he has to knock. When he's on the inside, he woos his children. He woos over his children. The Bible goes on to say in verse 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also have overcome, have overcame, also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Our most gracious and divine Heavenly Father, Lord, tonight as we bow in your presence, we do so with thankful hearts. We thank you, dear God, for your goodness and your mercy toward us. Lord, for the grace that you have brought to bear on our behalves, Lord, that we needed thy grace. And Father, I pray that you will bless this congregation, bless us this night. Lord, may our minds be solely intent on having 
fellowship restored if it's broken. And Lord, I pray that you'll just bless us this evening. Empower thy word. Forgive us our sin in Jesus Christ's name. And amen. I do want to bring a message tonight simply entitled, Restored Fellowship. Emmanuel, to our visiting friends, what is it to have restored fellowship? It often has been said of the Christian that their lives are filled with desperate attempts to fill it with joy and happiness which eludes so many tonight, especially in today's society, because of the life that we live. It's nowhere near the days of old and time as it used to be. You hear people say all the time, the way that it used to be. Well, folks, we're not in that time no more. But it's a time when today's Christian can make a mark. Especially in this black and darkened world in which we now live. It is time to leave our mark. To leave our light. To help others to see with our own lives that we live. Today's world has blinded the eyes and conscience of so many that Fellowship with the Heavenly Father has been severed. People are, even all across this nation tonight, uh, I mean, you look at the things that people are crying over tonight and you wonder why, where in the world have people gone? When people can cry because they cannot kill babies anymore. I don't understand that. When people shout and want to riot because they can no longer take the life of an innocent child. Yes, this world has grown cold and I'm afraid too many Christians have grown cold with it. Our senses have been seared. I'm not saying our conscience, but our senses have been seared. That's a reason why there's this disconnection in today's society. Among many of today's youth, there is a disconnect. That's a reason why there is no effectual love anymore the way it is in the Bible. That's the reason why today that children can do the things that they do and because they expect to get by with it. There's a disconnect. And I believe there's a lot of disconnect among God's children tonight. As I said, our senses have become seared. What we see no longer causes us to blush. What we hear no longer causes us to stop our ears. We've grown used to it. That has made us to grow cold in the Lord. Oftentimes, there is that longing for restored fellowship with our Heavenly Father. In Isaiah chapter 59, I'm going to go back here for just a moment and, and read this. And I want you to think about these first two verses of Scripture here. The Bible said, Behold, 
The Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. How is one's fellowship restored? How is one's fellowship restored? First of all, it's by and through our conscience. Amen. God deals with the conscience of men. That's the reason why that I pray that your conscience has not been seared. There is a, there is a group of individuals in this world, even tonight, whose conscience is seared. The wrong that they do, the wrong that they enjoy, the wrong that they love, it no longer bothers them. So their conscience is seared. In Romans in chapter 2, if you go over here for just a moment and notice what it says here with me now. Romans chapter 2, verses 14 down through verse 16, I believe it is. The Bible says here, in verse 14, For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Folks, I want you to know something. When our very conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, God has a way of causing us to consider our way and our doings so that we may remember that right and wrong are recorded in the council halls of eternity. In Luke chapter 15, if you'll look at this with me, in verse 17 and 18, notice again what it says. Brother Jim read this this morning. We're going to read it again tonight. The Bible says this. Now think about this. In verse 17 of Luke 15, the Bible says, When he came to himself, when he came to his senses, when his conscience began to affect his Ability to think and reason. He says, and when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's house have bread enough to have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. Now the Bible says, when he came to himself, in other words, when he came to his senses, he realized what he better do is go to his father. You know, that's what we need to do. That's exactly the very, the very thought of having our fellowship restored with the Lord. The very thing that would bring about that is our conscience bearing witness that He is Almighty and He knows everything that we have done or have not done. I will arise and go to my Father, He says. That speaks of having our fellowship restored. I will arise and go to my Father. That's where we need to be tonight. God's children need to be in a place where we can have our conscience to bear witness upon our heart that God is still 
the sovereign of the universe. And his word is true. His word is true. God has a way of causing us to consider our way so that we do remember that everything's recorded in the council halls of eternity. That's what I was saying uh, earlier. You know, sometimes people say, you know, God does not see. God can't see what I've done. And, and that we, we encourage ourselves saying nobody else sees us. Nobody sees what we're doing. Nobody sees what we're thinking. Nobody sees and understands what's going on. But God does, period. God knows all about it. Matter of fact, it's all recorded for later use. You know, when you stand before the judgment. You know, today men act as if they're not going to stand before the judgment of God. But man will stand in judgment one day. All of us will. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians, I believe it is, what is it, chapter 5 and verse 10, where the Bible says that we all must appear before the Bema seat of Christ. I'm, I'm speaking about that judgment of Jesus Christ himself. Now, that's different than the judgment of God. That's the judgment of the great white throne judgment seat of God, and that's a place you don't want to be. If you're there, your doom is already set. If you're there, listen, everything will come out. Listen, I want you to know that every sin that we have ever committed will be faced by us one day. Every sin. And the thing of it is, not only will we see it, but God will see it. He knows it already anyhow. But tonight, if we're here and we're saved by the grace of God, there's coming a day when our works are going to be tried. They're going to go through the fire. And I pray that yours comes out as gold tried in fire. The second thing I want to think about tonight is how is one's fellowship restored? It is done by and through our heart's desire. The psalmist David made a claim that knowing his sin and knowing what it cost him, it cost him a great deal. It cost him his son. It cost him his prestige, I do believe. Here was a man of valor who would, who would do everything for God in times past and in, in the future he would go again. But during that time he'd lost all, he'd lost all his wits over sin. It was the lust of the eye that caused David to fall so, so desperately. And that's the problem with a lot of Christians today, I'm afraid. Lust of the eye, covetousness. Covetousness has, has distracted a great deal of Christians today. We as born again believers should have a heart for serving the Lord, amen? 
We should have a, a desire in our heart to, to serve Him and, and to put covetousness away. For being faithful and devoted, it should break our hearts to know that we are estranged from our Heavenly Father. But you see, the church of Laodicea, they were right there in the middle and it didn't bother them a bit. It didn't bother the church of Laodicea who had become lukewarm. I mean, they hadn't gone plumb into apostasy and and they hadn't done completely wrong, but they were just right there in the middle, riding the fence, so to speak. Let me tell you something. You can't walk a barbed wire fence and get by with it very long. You jump up on a barbed wire fence and you try to walk very far and you're going to find out that you're going to get your legs cut up because it's not meant to walk on. You're either on one side or the other. It's either going to keep you in or keep you out. God's people need to understand something. In order to be kept in the very the very blessings of God, we've got to be faithful. We've got to be serving the Lord and we've got to be faithful and our heart's desire ought to be to please the Heavenly Father. In Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 28, the hope of the righteous shall be gladness. In 2 Chronicles 7 and 10, the Bible speaks there and you know that's one of the great revival Revival of scriptures, you go to 7 and 14, but in 7:10, the Bible says that those individuals went back to their tents with gladness and joyfulness of heart. You know why? Because they had been doing a work for the Lord. They were happy about it. That's the reason why today I see happiness in the people, in the eyes of God's people, because of the work of the Lord that's going on in this place. We're looking forward to a great week, amen? We've, we've gone through some, some great weeks in the past and even in our revival meeting and this week as, as people have been over here working, it's been good. Listen, don't lose that. But I'm afraid that there are too many people that are living on the fringe and they're trying to walk the bob wire and it's not going to work. That's the reason why so many so-called Christians today, uh, they sit in the house of God and they have the most sourest look on their face. It's, there's a reason for that. I used to wear one of those faces. There used to be one of those people that had that sour look upon my face. And I remember overhearing a lady once say, what in the world's wrong with John? He's not smiling no more. You know what was going on? I was living in sin. And it was eating me up. I mean, I was, uh, I was in, in a position to where it was, eating, it was eating me up. And I was mad at myself for failing God. Not only did I fail my God, but I failed my family. And I was mad at myself. I was in a position to where I understood exactly the reason why that I was in the place that I was in. And the only ones you can blame is ourselves. It's not a good place to be, is it? Have you ever been there? I don't know that you have. Maybe you have. 
but it's not a fun place to be. Out of the will of God. Out of the blessings of God. Out of the circle of love, so to speak. Proverbs 11 and 3, the first part of it says, The integrity of the upright shall guide them. And you know, that's the truth of it. Our hearts will guide us if we're faithful to God. You know, I've heard preachers say, well, your heart is is deceitful and desperately wicked. But the heart that's right with God, the heart that's right with God can be guided. Amen? Your heart can guide you. So secondly, we that are born again believers should have a heart and our heart's desire should be to serve the Lord. They who are saved have been given a new heart, amen? A new desire. And if you don't have that tonight, it's eating you up, isn't it? It's eating you up. I know me and Brother John's been there. I, brother, we've talked about it. We've talked about our consequences of failing God. You know what? God's got a way of getting your attention, though, doesn't he, brother? He's got a way of getting your attention. With me, it was my family. My, my God, I'm about to lose it. I didn't want to lose my family. I didn't want to lose the ability to be a, a father who my children could look up to. But I was on the verge of losing all of that because of my lifestyle, because of things that I had allowed in my heart. I was unhappy. But listen, it's just like this old prodigal son. The Bible says when he came to himself. When he came to himself, God had done a work in his heart. Amen. The third thing that I want us to think about, how is one's fellowship restored? By and through the Spirit's prodding. You see, that's one of the greatest things that we have within us, the Holy Spirit. If you're saved by the grace of God, your Holy Spirit that lives and resides within you is directing your path. A lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people say, well, I'm my own man. I'll do what I want to do. Yeah, you go right ahead. If you're really saved by the grace of God, you'll realize how those words can hurt you one day. The Bible tells us in Romans in chapter 8 that it is the Spirit that moves in us. And He prods us along because sometimes that's what we need. In verse 14, the Bible says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It's God's Spirit that reminds us that we're children of light. Amen? Not children of darkness. We're not supposed to be carousing around and doing the things that the world does. We're supposed to be faithful because we're children of light. You can go to 1 Corinthians 2 or 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and you can get a good glimpse of the picture that we, that we are. 
The Apostle Paul, as do I this very night, had a desire that all of God's people would be fruitful and gifted. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, it talks about that. God's Spirit delivers to our hearts this desire to always be accepted in the Beloved and in the Beloved. Do you have a heart that just your great desire is just to be pleasing? You know, as I grew up, that's, that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to please my dad. I just wanted to please my mom. I just wanted to please my parents. Some people say that you have that to a fault sometimes. But I would do anything to please my dad. And I sit and I, I look at my life as a Christian. You know, that's the way we ought to be with the Lord. We ought to do anything we can to please Him. We ought to have a heart that wants to do everything possible that if He should call us home, He would say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Folks, that's what I want for us as a church family. I just want us to get to a place where we want to do everything we can to please our Heavenly Father. You know where that's going to start? When we quit trying to please ourselves and please Him. Just be faithful to Him. Just have your life and your heart consecrated unto Him. Listen, you want to have joy? That's where you're going to find it. Faithfulness to Him. I pray that this week, you know we have, we have a lot of workers, we have a lot of teachers, we have a lot of helpers. For this vacation Bible school, I mean it's a great time. But you know what? It's a great time to be revived in our hearts. It's a great time for us to find revival. How? By just doing whatever we can to be pleasing to Him. Let's all stand, please.